Good evening from Plunkett Studios in Largo, Florida. I'm Scott. I'm Abram. And we are here with episode 507 of F5 Live, Refreshing Technology, uh, for September 2nd, 2018. This show is a proud part of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. This week, Sprint and T-Mobile are coming together. Sony is keeping PlayStation apart, and the Federal Trade Commission might be going down a familiar road. Wherever you are and however you're accessing our show, whether it be uh, on any of our live stream platforms, including Livestream.com, Mixer, Periscope, Twitch, YouTube Live, or or Facebook Live, uh, through any of our syndication platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the Podcast Play app in the Windows Store, the myriad of other podcasters that are available. On social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Google+. I always forget about that one. I think everybody else does too. Um, or, of course, on our apps, pluckitslive.com slash apps. Thank you for making us a part of your day. There are two ways to do that. The first is on Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern. You can join us by going to f5live.tv slash join us. And there you can uh, talk with us in the chat room, in the studio, through the chat room, uh, during the broadcast. And uh, you can give us your take on the topics as we talk about them. Uh, We always like to hear uh, what people have to say about about the news of the week. If you're not able to join us live, that is okay. You can always subscribe to this and any of our other shows by going to plugkitslive.com slash subscribe. There you'll see F5 Live and the Pilch Point, along with our special events and first looks and a number of other series as well. And with that, Abram, it's been two weeks. How are you doing? All right. All right. Not too bad. On a sad, the summer is coming coming to an end around here. Sure. Um, You know, not that, you know, I mean, when you work... (laughs) When you work, it's like, oh, you know, it's not like I'm getting special vacations or something, but, but, you know, my son is in school and he's been home all summer and now he's going to be in school. So we can't just like go, you know, I can't just take a day off and us go hang out or whatever, like we could during the summer. So, you know, uh, but, uh, the time just seems to really fly, but, you know, it's, uh, it's going to be an interesting fall for sure. Lots of cool new tech coming out and, you know, lots of lots of opportunities to do new things. So we had a really bitter, cold, snowy winter last year. Yeah. And so I'm not eager to get back into it. <laughs> um, so uh, hopefully we don't have as bad this year, but that's uh, that's neither here nor there. How right. have you been doing? Not too bad. Um, had a lot of a lot of software projects the last couple of weeks, so that's been that's been good. I got to uh, actually our our special events viewers will uh, remember Tech Lolly from uh, Collision twenty eighteen this year. Um, we're doing some work for for Dara, which has been really fun because she was one of my favorite people from Collision this year, and so getting to uh, to work with her off the air has been just fantastic. Her business is a cool one. I really like it. And so getting to help her out has been fun. So that was this week, which was great. <laughs> cool. 
Well, my son and I have been working on a lot of neat, um, you know, Arduino and Raspberry Pi projects around the house. So nice. that's been that's been fun. We're hoping to like make a more. Um, every time I get a little of extra Amazon credit, I'm just ordering some other part for us to test out. <laughs> like we got, we just got in the mail today a Raspberry Pi camera, so Ooh. we can try programming a Raspberry Pi as like you know to take video. Um, Very so cool. We have some. We have some ideas for like long term projects that we could actually make something interesting rather than just seeing how to do something. Uh-huh. Um, so we will we will see. That's awesome. Uh, we uh, mm-hmm. I've got a couple of camera based ideas <laughs> with some computer vision stuff, which is obviously I know is not what we're talking about here, but. I've no, I mean, we wanted to do like, I'll, I'll just tell the audiences because if somebody has any ideas of the best way to do this, I'm all ears. Um, we came up We one idea that I want to do actually for my office is I want to create like a virtual, like a, I guess you could call it like a picture frame, but I'm going to call it a window to Scotland. Uh, my managing editor, Matt Safford is a huge, huge fan of Scotland. Okay. He goes there for several weeks every year. And when he's not there, he's watching these like streaming webcams that stream live 24 seven from like, um, you know, from the Scottish Highland, from different locations, of the Scottish Highlands. So I thought, Oh, what if I could make for him like a, a ras- take a raspberry Pi, make a, like a, basically a, a, an appliance that you hang on the wall. Sure that would have like a little dial on it and it would just let you switch between the different uh, webcam feeds by turning the dial. What a cool idea. You know, now what I, the things I have to figure out for this project are one, you know, what kind of case and what kind of screen do I want to make it something that it can hang on the wall? I've seen fairly robust Raspberry Pi, like seven inch screens and Uh cases. But seven inches is a little small for yeah. this kind of thing. I'd kind of like it to be at least 10. You know, I mean, I, the ideal would be if it actually looked like a window and it was like as big as a window. That might be much to ask. But, uh, you know, bigger than seven inches would be good. And then a way of actually encasing it with a battery. And then I guess there's a software question, which is how do I make like these are web pages? Yes. But I want to make it so that it I, I want to make it so that it's kind of seamless that it's not like you have to put in a keyboard and like go to a web page that like it has this limited set of these webcam pages it can go to. And when you turn the dial, it just goes from one feed to another. So how do you program it? So you can like use a physical dial to like turn to like go to different web addresses. That's, you know, that's what I got to figure out. Sure. Sure. Um, Adafruit has a, has bigger screens for the Raspberry Pi, just in case you're curious. I'm looking at cool. I'm looking at a 10 inch one right now. Yeah, I think you might not be able to do better than, but also you got to get you know like I haven't seen a chassis yet for like yeah um, above seven. Um, so yeah, you know, I mean theoretically, a nice thing about Raspberry Pi is it uses HDMI, so you could right. you could have pretty much any screen you want sure sure um you could make i mean if you want to cheat you could have a tv 
but I kind of wanted something where I could actually like poke a hole and put the dial in the bezel or Uh something. So it would really like, you know, be kind of a seamless appliance. Boy, I wonder if you could wonder if you could tear apart one of the old like digital picture frames and steal its screen out. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's, that's the kind of thing that, you know, yeah, that one, one could consider doing anyway, we could get on the show, but if anybody (laughs) has any idea, any like food for thought about how the best way to do that, I, I, I'd love to know for sure. Um, anyway, yeah. Uh, so if you guys have ideas, um, find us on Facebook, uh, find the pilch point and, uh, let us know what your ideas are. That'll be the best way to get us. This week's Nifty Gifties on F5 Live is proudly powered by the Microsoft Store. Whether you're a consumer, student, small business, or developer, uh, the Microsoft Store has products for you. Uh, you know, whether you're looking for a a new Surface Pro, you can save two hundred dollars on that right now. You're looking for Office 365, one of the uh, an Xbox One, like the brand new, absolutely gorgeous Xbox One X in robot white uh for the fallout 76 special edition bundle uh or you know maybe that's not what you're looking for maybe you're looking for a bluetooth speaker uh maybe you're looking for the harman kardon invoke or you know games for the xbox you already have or a samsung galaxy s9 all of that is available by going to f5live.tv slash Microsoft. And don't forget, students get a 10% discount with a valid email address. That's a good thing to remember right now with all the back-to-school stuff happening. Um, so this has been rumored on and off for a number of years and was finally uh, solidified this week. Sprint and T-Mobile are absolutely looking to uh, to merge. The merged company would be, uh, as far as cu- customer base, would be the second largest wireless carrier. It would displace AT&T from the number two spot. Uh, but it would be combining what is currently the third and fourth largest uh, to do that. And those two kind of battle back and forth, which one's third and which one's fourth. Uh, every quarter. So they're about the same size. Together they will uh, displace AT&T as number two. Normally, uh, anytime there's a merger, uh, they have to go through an approval process. Sometimes it's quick and easy. Sometimes it's uh, long and drawn out. Like when AT&T tried to purchase T-Mobile and uh, can end in heartbreak (laughs) for the uh, larger of the companies, in that case, AT&T. Um, just in the last month or so, we have seen um, mergers get questioned, completed mergers get questioned by the federal government, by the state of New York, over a variety of things. Um, this one has been strange so far. And that's because, obviously, the Federal Trade Commission always asks for input. 
They're looking for customer input, uh, competitor input, um, even like uh, public interest groups. And normally in this kind of case, you see a lot of uh, people complaining. In particular, you see consumers who say this is a bad idea. You see competitors who say this is a bad idea. Neither of those things happened this time. Consumers mm. consumers have been surprised have sent in surprisingly favorable comments to the Federal Trade Commission. And mm. AT&T and Verizon have been neutral on it, which is not what I expected. Yes, the reaction to this has been a little odd. I guess it's because they're both smaller, but I think this is ultimately this is going to this is probably going to hurt consumers, but I guess not as badly as if AT&T had bought them. You know, T-Mobile, the two of them definitely were exerting downward price pressure on the market. Because sure. of T-Mobile, people now have unlimited plans. Like right. that's that's the reality. Because of T-Mobile, so once you have only three, um, now I think one of the things here is that T-Mobile is is the combined company going to be T-Mobile, or is it going to be Sprint? Fair question. I don't have an answer to that. Um, it has gone back and forth during discussions. I don't know where they've landed. I know that Deutsche Telekom and SoftBank will both uh, still be involved in the combined company, but I think I think Deutsche Telekom is going to have the the primary ownership, but who knows what it's called when all is said and done, because I don't. Well, here's here's what it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be called Sprint. Um, because Sprint has a terrible reputation. So I think that might be why it's why the company is so, um, why consumers aren't so upset because if the combined company is more like T-Mobile than Sprint, you know, then that's, that's, I guess a good thing. Cause Sprint has been just an outright, like, People have always had a lot of complaints about the service, about, you know, it's always like the last, you know, sort of bottom rung to get phones, although there's not too many car exclusives anymore anyway. Yeah. So plus, you know, Sprint. Go ahead. Sprint like like Verizon is still using CDMA, I think. For voice. For voice. So, you know, it's. it's a carrier that frankly, you know, we're not, I'm not surprised that Sprint would not, um, you know, would not continue. I mean, T-Mobile having really been an innovator in the space and growing, I mean, I guess they would like the additional scale. Uh, but I, I don't think the Sprint brand is very, uh, well regarded at this point, especially Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. No, for sure you're not wrong, especially since Dan Hesse left. Um, I think he was the last CEO of Sprint that was able to to keep the brand together. After he left and then SoftBank got involved because the new guy had run it into the ground. 
both uh, uh, like hardware wise and brand wise customer service it's all gone downhill since Dan left um, so T-Mobile looks like it will be the new br- the the primary brand although they're calling it new T-Mobile um, and that's the that's the website by the way new T-Mobile.com is where you can find out um, I hope it's better than new new coke oh for sure right uh, but yeah new T-Mobile but it has both logos on it so there's no and the fave icon is the T-Mobile T and the Sprint pin drop. So both brands are still represented all across this website. So again, still not quite sure <laughs> what will end up coming out of it. They may go with a completely unrelated name. Like uh, when Charter and Bright House and Time Warner Cable all came together uh, as Spectrum. Who... We'll we'll right. have to we'll have to see. Um, well, oath, oath is taken. <laughs> yeah, which was bad then. Anyway, um, but yeah, the the comments, the fact that AT and T and Verizon didn't have anything negative to say about this was surprising to me. Um, uh, I don't know what what you know like they have to stand on because both of these companies are smaller than them. I still think this is going to be a bad, a raw deal for consumers because when you take away, when you have a situation where you only have four major carriers and then you take one away, you know, the incentive for T-Mobile to raise their prices or the new company to raise their prices and make it less uh, consumer friendly is, is there, you know, who's their low cost competitor now. So, you know, there's a danger of, I mean, yes, there are all these small carriers like Cricket and whatever, but they're just leasing the well, leasing the towers. Cricket is owned by AT and T. Right. That's not a, yeah. It's not even right to say there are all these sort of NVMOs that are actually owned by sort of off brands of the major ones like. Yep. Um, T-Mobile owns Metro. Sprint owns uh, Boost and Virgin. AT and T owns Cricket. Right. Oh wow. So even less competition because Boost. Virgin and Metro. Metro are all are all going to be the same parent company as as T-Mobile and Sprint now. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, yes, this is a a real, you know, low point for for competition when you've got different brands but they're all basically owned by the same parent. Yeah. The, but um Of course, the other side of it is individually, you know, we watched what happened with T-Mobile as LTE was being deployed and T-Mobile took a while to join the party um, simply because of the cost of deploying new technology. You know, if you've got the two companies together, they're financially more capable of bringing 5G, which everybody's trying to be the first with a big network. Together, they might have a better chance of of getting there less than, you know, a year after AT&T and Verizon get there. Yeah. I mean, uh, and obviously that would be good, good for the market, more 5g proliferation. So we'll have, we'll have to see, you know, we'll have to see how they, 
you know, how they behave. And that's the kind of thing that you never can tell for sure. But the incentive to for the prices to go up is is there at the same time. I mean, this is probably good for Sprint customers because they'll probably get a superior network than they have now. So so there's that and superior customer service. Although on the on the other hand, it could be like uh, when Singular bought AT&T Wireless and everybody with a an old AT&T branded handset had to upgrade to a Singular branded handset there yeah, because they makes- were shutting down AT&T's old TDMA hardware. Yeah, that may happen with Sprint because, I mean, nobody nobody really... I mean, those bands will probably get recycled or something Uh eventually. Uh, And, you know, possibly Possibly into the the 5G deployment. Yeah, yeah, possibly. Or possibly re-auctioned. So I I thought it was interesting that one of the... uh, the most negative comments against the merger came from Dish Network, <laughs> mm-hmm. which was confusing. And their only argument was that if these companies come together, they will be able to deploy. Their argument against it was that they would be able to deploy 5G faster and that that would make uh, it more difficult for Dish Network to purchase hardware to deploy their own network. Dish Network wants to do 5G now. <laughs> they they want to do something with an IoT network, apparently. It, but I, can you imagine the the manufacturers of like tower hardware, and a new carrier comes around and says, "Hey, we want to buy a bunch of hardware," and them going, "Nah, we got to sell it to to T-Mobile." Instead yeah. of going, "All right, so there's more demand. We'll produce more." <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I don't know. There's, this is, I think that's a pretty lame uh It was the argument. weirdest argument because <laughs> it didn't even make any sense. It was so bizarre. But I, I thought it was just too funny not to mention. Anyway, obviously there's no telling when these things happen, you know, what the outcome will be. Like Avram said, uh, for Sprint customers, particularly in customer service the last couple of years, it's uh, likely to make things better, although I will tell you that the whole Spectrum thing didn't make anything better there, despite the fact that Charter had better customer service. Whatever. Doesn't matter. Um, we, we will obviously see if the merger happens at all. Um, the AT&T uh, T-Mobile deal fell apart a long time ago now, um, and the Federal Trade Commission has been seemingly fighting pretty hard against almost any merger lately. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. This week's Pilch Point with Avram Pilch is proudly powered by Newegg. Whether you're building a new PC or upgrading an existing one, Newegg is the place to get components from processors and video cards to uh, cases motherboards uh, and even some kind of oddball components and pieces that you wouldn't think of like a portable air conditioner uh, which is one of Newegg's daily deals which is a really cool uh, option that they give you you can see all the daily deals and find the components 
that fits your needs by going to pilchpoint.live slash newegg. So, Avram, what have you got for us this week? Well, I have a question for you. Okay. Question for the audience to do you like dark mode on your on your apps, on your phone, on your computer? It depends on what it is and where it is. Um, like for Skype, the the setup that you're on is on dark mode, but when I use it in my office, it's in light mode. Yes. So, you know, I like dark mode. I don't think I use it for everything, but there's some people who love it for everything, and I certainly like it for a lot of things. Uh, and so I wrote an article this week, which everyone can find on tomshardware.com, about uh, 15 different uh, ways that you can get uh, dark mode. Uh, well, some of them you basically can turn a switch and it'll do multiple uh, instances of dark mode on your PC uh, so that you can actually, you know, get that uh, light text on a dark background. That's for those who don't know, that's what dark mode is. Sometimes it's also sometimes called dark theme or night mode. Uh, it really depends on on what you're um, what you're using it for, right? Uh, but anyway, um, so let me uh, let me just show a couple of them and. Uh, Let's see. Okay. So I'm going to share my screen real quick. Okay. To show exactly what. Okay. So let's. So uh, one dark mode that is really, really key is uh, the Windows 10 one. So if you go into personalize. Oops. Sorry. Off the screen here. And to colors, I guess you can see I'm already in it. Uh, there's a choose your default app mode, light or dark. Light is the default for Windows, but I have it set to dark. That gives me all my Windows settings menus in dark mode. It also, um, if you are on the latest Insider build, gives you your file explorer in uh, in dark mode. Um, not, I think that will probably be in the new in the next. Windows full release as well, um, so that's that's one, uh, you know, one one thing you got to do for dark mode. And another, th and it's important to note that making that change will apply to lots of things. A lot of a lot of like Windows ten like UWP apps use that setting as their default, and then you can override them. Skype, for example. Yes, so Skype can do that. However, if your Skype doesn't have that, I believe you can. It's funny because the new Skype I have on here doesn't seem to doesn't seem to have the same menus as as when I did this. But <laughs> Skype. Ah, yes. Okay. Here we go. So let me bring this over here. This is Skype. And over here, it actually says choose a mode, light, dark, or Windows default. So now it's on Windows default. So if that's what you're using, this version of Skype you're using is the very latest one, which is what I have, uh, then it'll it'll do it by default. But if not, you can go here and you can select it as as dark mode, and that will um, that will that's that's one that you can do. 
Now, another thing that's really key here, of course, is Microsoft Office. So I recently, um, things look a little weird on my computer. It's because, because I'm actually on a new computer tonight. So anyway, so uh. if you go to file, um, if you go to file options, right, and you go to, I think it's under, no, it's not a, Sorry, I'm looking wrong place. If you go to file account uh, and you go to office theme, you can do black as your theme and you can see that you get office in, in dark mode. Wow. Did you not know that? I had no that? idea. But I have a better one for you. Okay. Uh, this is even more. This is even more helpful. Now, if you, um, you notice what's wrong with this picture. Um, what's wrong with what's wrong with this picture? You're getting a nice dark mode on the on the menus, but you're still typing black text in a white background. Sure. Right. Well, here's what you can do. So, if you want to change the page color for an individual one, easy enough. You go to Design tab and you give it a black color page, and it will automatically give you white text. But what fun is that? Because every time you create a new document you're going to have to do that so what you should do is you should go to your normal dot m uh normal dot was it dot m file which will be located in let me find an interesting place for it it will be located in um you know your c drive users um whoever the username is uh, app is it going to give me app data or uh, let's see app data local app I think it's app data roaming Microsoft and then Word no wait okay sorry about this is it local app data where wherever your sort of template files are. Uh, I'll find it later. Anyway, if you find the normal.m file, do you know where it is by off chance? I do not. I have it in my article here. I'm just trying to remember off the top of my head, which is terrible. Um, but there is a the template file for everything in, in Word is called normal.m. Like that's literally the name of it. And so if you can go to the folder that has it, you can, um, let's see. Okay. It's, it is. It says it should be in roaming Microsoft templates. Yeah. So what's going on there? Right. Um, anyway, if you open that file that is in users, your ID, app data, roaming, Microsoft templates, you will find... Um, you will find the file and you will be able to uh, now I'm determined roaming Ooh. Microsoft that is Templates. Uh, oops that is it kind, did not... kind of a thunderous typing there Avram <laughs> yes okay It for some reason on this new setup it is not in the location that it's supposed to be so sorry about that but when you find it uh, you can actually save this color 
in your normal.m and then every time you create a new document it will be a black background and white text okay and um, and does that affect like how other people see it or how it prints or is that entirely it, it it probably would affect how other people see it so that's but how it prints uh i tried this the other day and it will just print black on white okay or it it should it should um so uh you know ho- hopefully it's not going to take your color printer and print an entire page of black <laughs> or whatever uh by the way, if you're a person who misses uh, WordPerfect five uh, one, there's always uh, always this. <laughs> there's always the blue uh, blue background. Wow. So um, so, uh, and by the way, what I just changed for Office is not only for Word. So like, what I just changed the theme that'll also apply to Outlook and Excel, um, and all of the and all of those. So uh, it's also true for um, a number of a number of Google um, a number of Google things so for example if you are in YouTube uh, and you let's see if I can do this right so if you are in uh, so let's say you are here in YouTube right and you want this to be dark theme you go down here and it says dark theme on off you switch it now YouTube is like this, right? Minus that uh, giant ad at the top. Yeah, you can't win with that. But, um, <laughs> you know, whatever. But um, the, uh, the, other, the other thing I'll just mention, and there are a lot more of these in my article, uh, is this. There is a plugin for Chrome, and it is also a plugin for available for Firefox as well that will make any web page you visit Mm-hmm. dark mode even if it's not a dark web page so let's say we go to my website tom's hardware where you'll see this on the home page i flip this switch and da-da, everything is dark mode now i don't guarantee it looks good because these pages weren't necessarily designed for this but uh it will do uh inverse text reverse you know it'll invert the text and background color sure uh for you for you on every web page that you visit so uh so there's that. Plus, in your browser itself, you're going to want to install a dark theme. Uh, Firefox has one built in, uh, but uh, Chrome, you've got to look in the Chrome theme store. There's a whole page of dark themes. Uh, I'm running one right here. So, um, you know, there's a lot of places you can go to get, uh, to get dark theme. Okay, so that's just a quick look at some of the ways that you can get uh, dark mode on your PC uh, check out my article on 15 ways to get dark mode on tomshardware.com to see them all. Fantastic. Well, uh, I learned something today because I didn't see this this article get published this week. Otherwise, I would have already known it. Um, I did not know about the, the office dark mode. That's kind of cool. And uh, I always forget that the Twitter web client has it, which I saw on the article while I was... Uh, <laughs> a lot of different websites have it. Um, now cool. you can use that plugin that I showed to force it on mm-hmm. every site, but it doesn't necessarily always work well. And a lot of sites just really aren't intended to be in dark mode. Yeah. So I would kind of, you know, I think that is kind of a blunt object and mm-hmm. I wouldn't, I personally would not, would not use it um, unless I really had to. My, um, my, and, my brother uses it 
Um, and it seems that all it does is essentially uh, Photoshop control I. It just inverts all the colors to their opposites. And that does not always uh, not make your eyes bleed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there there are some advanced settings that you can pick certain websites that you want or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would prefer to to so. But a lot of websites that you use, a lot of web tools, Gmail, YouTube, uh, Reddit, Twitter, um, all have all have built-in uh, dark modes, or they may call it night mode. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a feature that I've been. A fan of since Windows Phone Seven, and uh, it's it's nice to see it coming way more mainstream. And thank you for introducing it to me in a couple of new places. Yeah, I figured you know a lot of people probably know about some of the main places, but maybe I found a couple that people haven't heard of yet. Sure. Um, while you were talking, I went and discovered that uh, even Edge has an individual setting for it. So. Oh yes, Edge ha- Edge has Ed- Edge has had it for a while. Pretty cool. Well, as always, Avram, thank you. You always find the interesting stuff. (laughs) Cool. This week's Extra Life on F5 Live is proudly powered by Razer. All the accessories that you need to up your game on PC and console. And right now, uh, they've got a sale uh, somewhere between back to school and uh, Labor Day. They've got some deals running. Um, If you purchase uh, one of the Ornatochroma keyboards, you can get a free Team Razer pin if you buy uh, Mamba Hyperflux and the Firefly Hyperflux, you can get uh, a Razer ammo pack for free, and there's a bunch of other things as well. You can save on the, the Razer Blade Stealth laptop and a bunch of other products, and you know, whether you're looking for a keyboard or a mouse or a laptop, a webcam, uh, Razer really does uh, have all of those gaming accessories, and you can find them all by going to f5live.tv slash Razer. And as everybody knows, I love my Razer mouse that is sitting here on the desk with me right now. Anyway, uh, so one topic that we've been talking about for uh, seemingly a very long time has been the idea of uh, cross-console play or cross-platform play. Uh, And probably the two best examples of this are Minecraft and uh, uh, Fortnite. Uh, Minecraft and Fortnite are available basically everywhere and um, almost everybody can play together. You know, somebody on mobile can play against somebody on the Xbox and and invite somebody from the PC to join. Uh, the only people who can't participate in this, this uh, industry-wide fun are people on PlayStation. And that is because Sony has been... Uh, confusing in their message on what they do and do not want. Um, the most recent input that we got from the company was uh, about two months ago 
the president and CEO of Sony Interactive Entertainment America uh, said, we hear it. We're looking at a lot of possibilities. You can imagine the circumstances around that affect a lot more a lot more than just one game. I'm confident we'll get to a solution which will be understood and accepted by our gaming community while at the same time supporting our business. That sounded like Sony was finally understanding that people want to uh, to be able to play PlayStation against Xbox. Obviously, if you've ever played Fortnite on a PlayStation, you know that there is something very special about the way it works over there. Uh, if you ever sign into your Fortnite account on a PlayStation, you can never sign into it on an Xbox or a Switch again. Uh, Sony locks that account, and that sucks <laughs> for for anybody who has ever done it. That. That's especially since they don't tell you ahead of time. There's not like a dialogue that says, hey, if you do this, you'll never be able to play on Xbox. Um, <laughs> but that has been a source of contention in the. Isn't Fortnite. that a bigger, a bigger problem now with Fortnite on mobile? Because if you own both a PlayStation and an Xbox, I don't know, maybe I'm speak out of hand here because I don't have both a PlayStation and Xbox. Sure. But I would think that if you're they're both in your home, only being able to play it on one of them would not be a great hardship for you mm -hmm. because you just turn on the one that you need. Yeah. But now that it's on Android and on iOS, it, wouldn't you want to be able to use that account, you know, when you're on the go? So the good news is that this lockout only affects Xbox and Switch. It does not affect PC or mobile. Oh, okay. Um, but, you know, if you go over to a friend's house and want to sign in to your uh, Fortnite account, too bad. Um, so the, the, uh, CEO of Sony was asked about this and in cross platform in particular, and the answer was not nearly as positive as what we heard, um, from, uh, from Sean Layden two months ago. On cross-platform, our way of thinking is always that PlayStation is the best place to play. Fortnite, I believe, partnered with PlayStation 4, is the best experience for users. That's our belief. So, uh, the reason why you can't sign in on an Xbox later is uh, we're better. Which is... <laughs> such a slap in the face. Yeah. Uh... Obviously, they're trying to do this to keep exclusivity on their platform, mm -hmm. although it doesn't really help them with these games because, I mean, you can play these games on the other platforms, so it's not like, you know, I, I mean, I guess they figure we want to try to keep our community of you, we want to try to keep our users to ourselves because... If they see other people on Xbox, they might leave us for Xbox. I don't know. I mean, it's a little isn't, weird. But... Isn't that more what it sounds like than we're the best, so you might as well just stay here? Doesn't it sound more like somebody who who has like a self-image problem? They're afraid of the competition. Yeah. They, they want to have, have lock-in. Um, 
I mean, look, every company does this to some extent sure. with some things that they do. Absolutely. You know, you'll Apple will not allow you to sideload apps. You, you'll, you never, you'll never see Halo on a Switch. Right. <laughs> you won't see you won't see Mario Kart on uh, on on an Xbox or a PlayStation. Sure. So, you know, everybody's got their little exclusives. Um, I think for PlayStation, it's becoming more and more difficult to really claim exclusives because I think a lot of the really key games are across mm-hmm. uh, are across platform now. Yeah. So, you know, I guess they better keep their their users, uh, you know, keep their users close or something. I think part of the problem is that the closed ecosystem concept has been such a part of Sony's business model for 50 plus years that it's hard for them to think other ways. Like when Sony finally gave in and added HDMI to televisions, like, you know, that kind of, they always wanted to have their own special thing to connect a Sony thing to a Sony thing. They never wanted to use even like industry standard things in a very Apple-y kind of a way, right? Like everybody is using either micro USB or USB-C. Apple still has their own proprietary connector. You know, Sony has always lived on that same thing. Even when they did use standard connectors, they gave them their own personal names you know it's it's well, such like part of sony's culture that i'm not terribly surprised that that it continues that way yeah i suppose i suppose so well you know i i feel bad for those who are affected by this mm-hmm. kind of short-sighted vision um you know i guess I think it's a weird world that we live in that like so many gamer console gamers actually own more than one console just so they can have certain experiences that they don't have. Like I can see the switch, somebody owning a switch plus an Xbox or a PlayStation. Absolutely. But it's hard to imagine the X to know why so many people I know. And I know quite a few who have both an Xbox and a PlayStation. Me too. You know, I had I have a 360 and a PS3, um, and I had them side by side. But you know, if Sony hadn't been involved in that, I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't have had the PS3. Yeah, I, I mean, I I have to say for me right now, I mean, I my son and I use a PS3, but next time we get a console, I feel like Xbox has the edge because they do backward compatibility. Uh, with their older games, whereas Sony yeah. talk about proprietary and consumer unfriendly. Every time they come out with a new, uh, with a new console, the old games don't work with it. Uh huh. Yeah, it. There are lots of reasons why I've stayed the direction that I have for so long now. <laughs> um, but yeah, it does not look like uh, like the encouraging comment from two months ago uh, from Sony. Interactive America is going to be the prevailing wisdom in the company as Sony themselves, the parent company, sounds like they don't have any interest in participating. And that's sad for everybody involved because I'd sure like to be able to play against somebody on PlayStation from the Xbox. But 
that won't be happening anytime. And I feel bad for people who have a PlayStation and a Switch and want to be able to go mo- go mobile on a not a tiny screen with Fortnite and they can't because of this weird policy. This week's news from the tubes on F5 Live is proudly powered by Rift Tracks. Mike Nelson, Bill Corbett, and Kevin Murphy, the former stars of Mystery Science Mystery Science Theater 3000, are doing what they do best, creating commentary for Hollywood blockbusters and B-movie oddities like Spiker. Seriously, can't make these things up. It's like watching a movie with your funniest friends. The way it works is for a couple of dollars. You did, uh, download the MP3, play it along with your DVD, Netflix, Amazon, wherever you happen to have the movie, and laugh. Um, from time to time, they do live events. Um, their next one, I believe, is uh, a little ways away. In fact, I don't know that they've got any scheduled right now. Um, so, yeah, I don't think they have any scheduled right now, but that is okay. Um, Right now, because it's Labor Day, if you're, Labor Day weekend, if you're watching this live or at the beginning of the week, uh, they are running a promotion. Uh, you can save 15% on everything except Spiker, which is their newest uh, release, and uh, the Space Mutiny pre-order. You can save 15% with promo code WORK, and uh, to find out all the movies that are available, the short films, uh, you can go to f5live.tv slash rifttracks with an X. For long-time viewers of the show, you'll notice that promo change tonight. Uh, trying something out. Anyway, um, so if there's one company, one tech company in the world that uh, seems to rile people up or governments up more than any other, it's got to be Google. Um, everybody seems to be, uh, well, every government seems to be afraid of them for one reason or another. Sometimes it's uh, for absolutely ridiculous reasons like uh, Spain not understanding how the news works. And then sometimes you end up with situations where Google does things that are a little shady and worry people. This week, um, Senator Orrin Hatch sent a letter to the Federal Trade Commission on exactly that topic, recommending that the FTC reopen an investigation that was closed in 2010 into, in particular, the way Google uh, deals with advertising, both from a publisher standpoint and a tracking standpoint. Um, From a publisher standpoint, there are certain rules If you use Google ads um, in certain ways or on certain types of sites, you can only use Google ads on those sites. It's there's. And so he's concerned that that's uh, anti-competitive maybe. And that's where the FTC comes in into the case. Right. And then um, obviously This week, there was an interesting report that came out that uh, Google had been buying MasterCard uh, purchase history and combining it with the GPS tracking that they've been doing, even if you turned off your GPS tracking, 
to figure out who you are, what you bought, and where you bought it. So, uh, you know, those types of things are what he's what he's concerned about, and he has recommended. He hasn't said that Congress is involved in this. He has said that the FTC maybe should reopen their their investigation, which they closed in 2018 or 2018 in 2010. This is 2018. They closed it in 2010 specifically because of the uh, powerhouse that Apple was going to become in the advertising space, which they did not become. <laughs> um, so that factors into his recommendation as well. Um, I don't know. It seems like it seems like anytime a company owns as much of a particular market as Google owns both search and online advertising, it's probably a good idea to, to keep an eye on what they're doing at the very least. Yes, uh, I think that's true. You definitely want to make sure that they're, you know, not doing anti-competitive things with like a lot, not allowing people to run ads from their competitor to use ad services from their competitors and, and things like that. You want to make sure that they're, they're not, you know, abusing what is pretty much a monopoly situation, yeah. uh, and, and also sort of abusing people's privacy mm -hmm doing things like, uh, you know, doing things like making a deal with MasterCard to track someone's purchases, you know. Physical purchases in real life. It's so weird. Oh, it's good for them. It's sure. It's not good for you. It's not good for us. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's well, not weird. It's not weird that they would want to track you. For sure. <laughs> Uh, it's, 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 it's not, it, it's scary. Well, it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. Well, yes, Google knows, knows you very, knows us all very well. So yeah, I think it's, I think it's right and proper for, for, you know, there to be some oversight of them. But I also think, I know there's also been some buzz, I think this week about people being concerned that they don't you know, don't like the, uh, was there something coming out this week about people not liking the search results? Cause they, they don't like how certain yeah. political things are being ranked. Yeah. Um, I, I'm very wary of that inquiry. And, and if this inquiry is, if this inquiry is happening because of that, uh, I think that would be bad because you know, I really don't think that now Google could be very influential if it wanted to portray a bias. Sure. But from whatever I see from Google, it really seems like what they're trying to do is give you is use an algorithm that kind of gives you what you want or what other people have chosen or you just use data. I really don't think that Google is trying to, you know, get is trying to be partisan in, in, in any way. Uh, I, you know, that's that's just my two cents. I think, I think if people are saying that they're trying to be partisan, it's quite possible that they're just not happy with how the results came out. But um, I, I, but, I tend to, to kind of stay back on those topics, especially you know, you see what they what they do on on YouTube and well, I can see how 
somebody might get to that get to that belief, but I don't have any I don't have any evidence of it, per, you know, personally. But I don't know. I can I, see I, just... I can see how you could get there based on their their YouTube policies, but I haven't seen any evidence that that's their behavior. I mean, I don't know. I just feel like in the search results, I get things from a wide. If I do news searches, I get things from a wide variety of sources, uh, you know, of different bents. So it just doesn't look to me like Google is. And just Google seems like kind of a, a company that's very the culture of it is very technology and robotic and like, listen, let's just make a better algorithm. So it would be hard for me to believe that Google would say, hey, I really want people to have this point of view. But whatever, uh, whatever the case, uh, I think there absolutely has to be some oversight of them in terms yeah. of uh, if they're doing anti-competitive things with their ad network. Yeah. Uh, or I think that's really something. I think that's an important yeah. uh, job for the FTC to look into. Yeah, for sure. And this, he, all of his comments had to do with with advertising. You know, he he referenced um, the European Commission and uh, a report, uh, a report by the European Commission, a segment from 60 Minutes, uh, all involving advertising and didn't touch, you know, search in in any way other than that. That's a big source of their revenue is the advertising within search. Um, but yeah. Search results weren't mentioned at all. Um, I think, I think this was probably in the making for a while. The fact that the uh, that you know Trump went down the the political conversation a day earlier. I think he was well into this <laughs> into this letter when that happened because um, this seems like legitimate to me. You know what I mean, like. And it seems like a legitimate concern to me. So um, I think I think it's not a bad idea. Uh, the fact that the investigation was closed eight years ago because of Apple becoming an advertising powerhouse. I, I don't even know that that was something they were interested in. But whatever <laughs> um, is, is silly. And so going back and uh, taking a look is probably a good idea. This week's DRM not included on F5 Live is proudly powered by Amazon Prime. You know you get free shipping sometimes same day, sometimes two hour. Uh, but what you may not know is some of the other stuff that comes along with it. Amazon Prime Music gives you a couple million tracks of music available to stream for free. I have been playing with it uh, recently and there is a surprising amount of uh, stuff that you would want to listen to available in uh, Prime Music. There's also Prime Video, which has a lot of stuff that you want to watch, including the new uh, Jack Ryan that premiered on Friday. Uh, I have heard nothing but good things. I'm looking forward to watching it myself. Uh, and then uh, there's a number of other features, including Twitch Prime, which gives you two cool things. One, a free subscription every month on Twitch, which you can use to subscribe to us if you would like to. Uh, you can do that by searching for Plug Hits Live 
but you also get free games every month. Just like Xbox Live or PlayStation Network accounts, you get free games every month, and you should definitely check them out. Uh, there have been some really great games available through there. And you can find out all of those uh, benefits, plus more, and get a free 30-day trial if you don't already have one, and links to all of those benefits to make it easy to get to by going to f5live.tv prime. So in addition to Prime Video, it looks like Amazon might be interested in creating a another service, which is believed to be called Freedive, um, which will be exclusive to their Fire TVs and will be a free ad-supported video streaming platform similar to, say, the Roku channel on Roku that has movies and TV that are free uh, with ads. It's also similar to how Hulu started. While Hulu eventually abandoned that business model entirely, Roku, over the last 12 months, has doubled down on it and brought the Roku channel off of Roku. Um, and so now you can just go to, I think, rokuchannel.roku.com, and right now you can watch, without any special hardware, um, that free ad-supported content. So, you know, Hulu didn't make it work. Roku has. Crackle still exists. I think that's the best we can say about Crackle is that it still exists. Um, but, you know, there's been some mixed reaction to it. But, you know, the company that's been the most successful with the business model is the one that uh, started on hard on their own hardware and then branched out, which is what Amazon's talking about doing. What do you think, Abram? Well, I think, uh, you know, worth them giving it a try. Uh, I think there could be some confusion about the multiple brands. But on the other hand, there's a lot of Amazon stuff out there. Um you know, I wonder, is it just going to be a subset of stuff that people with Prime Video have, or is it going to be a different selection? I mean, obviously, they're not going to have more stuff than you have with Prime Video, I, right. I assume. But is it going to be like a little, you know, is it going to be a little bit like this? Some of all the movies that are, are that are on Free Dive will be on Prime Video. And just some of the things from Prime Video will be on Freedive, or is it a completely it, different selection? It's it's a fair question. Um, so Freedive will be coming not Amazon branded. Um, it will be IMDb branded, which is one of their subsidiaries. Um, so it'll be IMDb branded. Uh, and so my guess is it'll be very focused on movies. And it is going to be uh, extremely focused on licensed content. So uh, seemingly nothing that's Amazon Studio produced will be available, at least not up front. Um, and it's possible that their goal is to take advantage of the licensing deals for streaming that they already have um, and, and you know push it into this other service. Uh, and, you know, maybe maybe it'll just be a small subset just to, 
to test the waters because you know obviously they need to test the waters coming out of imdb will be a little strange i think um for a lot of people but you know if you're going to try something like this and you have a brand like imdb that you own and you don't want to kind of muddy the waters of the amazon prime video you know Launching this under somebody else, un, under a, a sub brand that most people don't know that you own, it's probably a pretty great way to do it. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely worth trying. So, you know, it's not surprising that there are a lot, there are actually a lot of free um, or, I guess, semi free, um, you know, sh- um, channels or, or vehicles that show, that show movies and. Mm-hmm licensed content i guess you could say movies and and reruns i mean if you have if you still have cable you'll be familiar with like the fx channel Mm. which while they have original some original content is just filled to the brim with like fairly recent uh movies like i'm looking right now at what you can watch on fx and they have like you know movies that are just a couple of years old like the revenant uh and if you are a cable subscriber you could watch these things right now, yeah. you know, on demand for, uh, sure. you know, for no extra money. So, and you know, Turner, Turner built his brand on licensed movies. Right. So, I mean, the more, uh, vehicles for doing this, I guess the more places that you can go to, to watch movies that are, you know, I guess if you wait long enough, Every movie will come to, I don't know, semi-free, uh, sure. semi-free TV, you know. <laughs> For sure. Uh, I mean, semi-free as in, I guess in this case, you have to have a fire stick. But, you know, so it's, uh, you know, if you're looking for something to watch, there seems to be um, a ridiculous amount of uh, amount of choices. Sure. And. You know, but now the Roku channel, not as good as FX. I'm looking at what's on the Roku channel right now. I don't know. I mean, you know, out of these, there might be one or two you want to watch. I don't know. I they w- have. Uh, I I wish the content was presented better. It's definitely like their UI is definitely designed to be interacted with from a uh, uh, TV remote, <laughs> not from a computer. But I mean, like, I don't know. I don't know if we'd want to torture anybody by making them watch like the Alex Cross movie, which is their their top choice right now. Um, uh, yikes. I mean, um, that I, I've I, seen it, you know, you know, I, I just I don't know that I would recommend someone to spend a couple hours of their life watching the Alex Cross movie. I, I know Wa- that. I know that people like the miscongeniality movies. They're both on there. Uh, there's a bunch of stand-up on there, uh, which mm. which I was pretty excited about. I I watch a lot of stand-up comedy, um, so I was excited about that. But it'll be interesting to see what comes to this service if it comes to fruition, because um, obviously right now it's all it's all conjecture based on things heard around a water cooler, you know. So. No telling if it'll come to fruition, but the fact that they have a brand name for it is a pretty good sign that uh, it's likely to see the light of day. We'll see. Um, it would definitely be, you know, if you have a, a Fire TV 
based thing, it would definitely be something worth checking out to at least see if there's content in there you care about. Like the Roku channel. It's worth checking out. There's a couple of things that were in there that I was I was excited to see. But then I found that NBC.com has heroes back for streaming. So that put an end to uh, yeah to the Roku channel for a little while. <laughs> yeah, well, anyway, it's uh, good, you know, good for, uh, you know, I, I think the hardest thing is actually these days is to find like, it's easy to find movies that are a few years old. It's not so easy to find like classic movies mm-hmm. to stream. Uh, unless you're going to pay for it, yeah, uh, individually, or, but, um, or if you're looking specifically for the Criterion Collection. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I think it's uh, I think it's uh, it's always good for the consumer. There's more there's more choices out there that are either sure. free or or relatively free. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it goes if it happens. And that is our show. Thank you to those of you who joined us live. If you didn't, that is okay. You can join us live on Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern time by going to f5live.tv slash join us. If you can't do that, you can always go to plugkidslive.com slash subscribe and uh, see all of our shows there and find it wherever uh, wherever you want on your Apple, Android, or uh, Microsoft devices. Um, yeah. We've got some things coming up uh, soon we've got um, Roboticon in a couple of weeks which I'm really excited about I am doing a talk for an online uh, conference called uh oh I don't remember what the name of the conference is it's from a company called Missing Letter which is one of the uh, social media tools that we use here Um, if you're interested in finding out about that you can go to missingletter.com Um, I'll be doing a talk about what it is that Avram and I do here on Sunday nights. So if you want a little bit of kind of behind the scenes information and uh, more the business of how we've been doing this for 11 and a half years now, um, not Avram and I specifically, but the company, um, you can join us for that talk. It's free. So uh, definitely check that out. Uh, Yeah. And I guess with that, on behalf of the staff that's not here, I'm Scott. I'm Avram. And we will see you guys back next week. Ciao. Yeah.